Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Colts Coffee and Conversation. My name is Carl. And I'm Holly. I'd like to welcome you back to another creepy edition to Colts Coffee and Conversation. Can I say creepy with this episode? I think oh, I can. Oh, I think so. Yes, I think so. We're getting deeper into the, the dark world of the Tony Alamo Foundation because it's no longer Susie. She's no longer with us, but that's okay. We're going to get into it. But first, before we do that, we must do a few things before we get into it. Please give us five stars. We need stars. We need info. We need feedback. We need something because we're not getting anything, folks. And we just want some happy feedback. I appreciate some people tell me in person, but that doesn't help us in the algorithm of what they want us to do. So if you can leave us five stars, leave a comment, say hi or whatever you want. I don't care. Oh, I have another idea. They could share it. Okay, yeah, you can share it too as well. I think there might be some kind of a button where you can share it and then you can share it on either, you know, whatever social media platform that you use. Yes, that's correct. We do have that. We do have that to capabilities. But of course, we do have our own things for Colts Coffee and Conversation, like our Facebook fan page. Look us up. Give us marks there. We want some feedback, please. Uh, it's at Colts Coffee and Conversation on Facebook. Then we have our Instagram at Colts Coffee Convo. And then we have Twitter at Colts Coffee Con 1, Colts Coffee Con 1, C-O-N-1. And then, of course, you have Colts Coffee Convo at gmail.com, our wonderful, fantastic, interpretively interesting email address. And, of course, we do have the, the audio one as well. Yes, on Anchor, you can leave an audio message for us, or you can get your voice recorder on your either Android or iOS, which is Apple, iPhone, and record a message and email that message to us at yeah. cultscoffeeconvo at gmail.com. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Now, of course, we do have our disclaimer. This is for entertainment purposes only. This is our own personal opinions about the situations that we're talking about. Do, do our best to be nice, but hey. We're just going off the information that's been given to us. And if you don't like hearing it, you can always turn it off. But if you don't, excellent. Thank you for sticking with us, guys. We do appreciate it. Of course, you can reach us at any, any place you can find a podcast. We're there. From Google, Anchor. Thank you, Anchor, for giving us the opportunity to do this. iTunes. iTunes, Stitcher. Podcaster. Podcaster. All of it. Overcast. Overcast. Spotify. Once again. (laughs) Anything you can get a podcast on, we're there. Except iHeart. But go on. Oh, whatever. Anyway, here we go. Oh, yes, one more other thing. Before we get into our cults and our conversation, we must talk about our coffee. Holly, what are you sipping on today? Well, I have a new drink that I tried out. Mm-hmm. And it's an iced cloud foam caramel macchiato. Ooh. And it's good. Oh, I told you it was good. Have you ever had it hot? Because that's exactly what I'm drinking, but the hot version, and it is glorious and magnificent in all of its greatness. Well, I think I have a reward coming, so I might try that this week. You're going to use use your stars. Use those stars. Use <laughs> those stars. Alrighty. Okay, enough of that. Now let's go ahead and get into it. Now, we started part three. We're talking about, obviously, the Alamo Foundation, Tony Alamo Foundation, which is being, uh, uh, which you can see it on the Sundance channel. If you don't have it, that's okay. We are more than happy to go blow by blow. 
It's he, called the Ministry of Evil, but we are going pretty much blow by blow. If you don't want to see it or you don't have that channel, you can listen and pretty much get the gist of it. Yeah, so this is where we start getting into the uh, the really dark stuff, unfortunately, with the Alamo Foundation or the Tony Alamo Foundation. Comes up to the first thing is there's that author that wrote the book about this whole group, as you could say, or cult. The law is after Tony for the tax evasion and for not paying his employees, and they're basically going after his his financial empire at yes, this Yes, they're point. hammering him out. They're hammering him, yes. And the author does explain that there are two parts. She takes the, the, the Alamo Foundation, or the Tony and Susan Alamo Foundation, she cuts it into two parts. Obviously, in the beginning in the 60s, when they're starting to grow their ministry, all the way up to her passing, and then part two, or A or B, this is part B, is when, Tony is now just in charge of the group. Yes, Tony had a public persona that would silence people. He's very intimidating. He had a lot of power, a lot of money. As you were mentioning before, the law is hammering on him, starting to investigate not only his financials, but also rumblings about the child abuse. Yeah, that starts to yeah, that starts to, to start to come to the top here, especially with the child abuse specifically, but also with the Justin Miller situation. Yes. Now, if you're not familiar with the Justin Miller situation... Well, we talked about we talked it last about it. time. That's correct. We talked about it last time, so we're not getting too much detail about it. But, but there was a rescue. There was a rescue. That's correct. Now, if you remember the last episode, Carrie is Justin's adopted father. He has left the church, or the group. He runs to the forest with his brother. They're firing shots at him, so basically they got away. Of course, he comes back to go get his son because he didn't want his son because the reason why they're leaving is because they found out rumors of the beatings. Not specifically with Justin himself, but with... Yes, because this was before. uh, This was before Justin Miller's beating. But he heard the the stories and the rumors and things were coming true that the kids were getting beaten with the uh, Board of Education. Yes. So, he goes back to get Justin, his wife screams guards he runs away again and of course same thing happens so they now are the millers the miller boys both the brothers they left their wives and their children back over with in arkansas in arkansas they're now moving to california they're heading back to california rumor has it that gets to one of the miller boys i don't know who it was but they said that they relocated justin over from Arkansas back to Saugus. California. Saugus, California. And during this time, when he hears that, he goes and gets one of the... He gets a court order. Yeah, court order, mm-hmm. yeah. He gets his the court order to be able to retrieve his son wherever, whenever he needs to. That is correct, yes. So, so when once he found out he was in Saugus, then he could get the sheriffs to go out to the property and retrieve his son. Yes. The way that happened was it was in the middle of the night the sheriffs come and basically make a raid on on the property yeah justin was shoved under his cot he remembers waking up getting shoved under the cot scared because he thought the bad guys were coming they retrieve him tell him his dad's out there waiting for him and that he will be okay carrie was saying son i love you you're safe now and Justin was a little hesitant, but he he knew that he was also going to get beaten again. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, definitely in fact, I'm sorry. We kind of jumped ahead. At this point, Carrie did not know Justin had that horrible beating. No, but Justin knew that if that he was fearful, he was going to get beat. Yes. Yes. To break the ice, Carrie said, "Hey, Justin, I'm going to go ahead and take you to Disneyland." Yeah, everything's going to be okay, and that, of course, and that yeah. actually helped bridge that gap. Carrie gets Justin. Well, the authorities start talking to Justin. And then Justin Justin basically blows the lid on everything that's going on inside as far as the child abuse goes. Yes, he, he gave them gives, names. gives them the names of the people who basically gives them detail of what happened. Gives the names of the people who swatted him. And also let them know that Tony was not physically in the room but on speakerphone. Of course, the witnesses that were there. Of course, once that takes place... They decide to file a lawsuit. It's a a civil lawsuit for all this. And the reason they did a civil lawsuit is because they wanted things to get out into the public. They wanted some kind of pressure put upon this group. Yes, that is correct. Because all Carrie's main focus is now, at this point, first it was just to get his son. Now it's to break everything up. Yes, and the, the authorities also did put out an arrest warrant for Tony Alamo, charged with child abuse and for ordering beating of Justin Miller. But yes. he did not turn himself in. He no. was in New York City promoting his, his jackets. jackets. His jackets, of course. Of course. Why not? Who won one of them beautiful rhinestone Carl does. <laughs> no, thank you. Well, they're on eBay, are they not? Yeah, they are. I looked. Anyways, enough about me. No, let's talk more about me. All right. During this time, Carrie wants to get as much coverage as possible. So, of course, he reaches out to the press. He wants the law enforcement. It kind of gives... He basically pressures law enforcement to use the press to get the story out, which he does. And and Current Affair is all over this one because this is up their alley at this time. Mm -hmm. Yes, in those days. And I think he was on it several different times. He was. This kind of starts a period... Well, we'll get into the we'll get into what what's gonna happen. So, obviously, the Millers file the Miller brothers file that suit. He's not there when they do the raid. So now this begins the two year run of Tony. Yes, he's on the run. He's on the run, but he still can run the church via the speakerphone. All that phone. stupid speakerphone. Yes, that infamous speakerphone. He takes care of the reports. He has people beat. He makes sure that they they uh, toe the line. Of course, and then also with this as well, he mixes up the families. He also separates families. Anything he can continue to keep the thumb down on on the congregation. Now, Carl, talk about the tapes that he sent. Yeah, he part of his thing was that he would get a tape recorder, obviously, and he would go on a two three hour rant. Now during this this episode. They're actually playing these these rants that he's going on and about how he is like persecuted and 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 how what he's only doing what the Bible tells him to do. He's not saying anything biblical. He's just going off of the top of his head. Yes, he kind of also intimidates his followers by saying that yeah, the, if they're lukewarm, God will spit them out and they hell. were going to go to hell. So it kind of is trying to keep the faithful in line, in order. Yes, and of course he does a pretty good job of doing that. During this time on these tapes, situation comes up with one of the, the 
people who are involved in this play here. Rebecca Levy. Now, on one of his tapes, he was mentioning that when I was in the room, this, this, and that, and I told Rebecca Levy, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Okay? Rebecca goes, he never said that. Now, Rebecca was only 13. Rebecca was only at the 13 time, at so the time. she's hearing this that well, I told Rebecca Levy such and such, and she said, "Oh, he never said that to me." Yeah, innocently, she just like her instant reaction is, "No, that's not true." Well, that information get back to Tony. Now, Tony, being so kind, he's on speakerphone, has four people in in the office. She gets called to the office. Now, there stands a thirteen-year-old little girl. There are four grown adults, and he orders them to stand in, in line and each one gets to slap her in the face. Now, not only just a standard slap, but put your back into it because if you don't do it, someone else is going to do it and the person who he feels who didn't do it hard enough is going to get disciplined as well. So she got a couple of slaps. She told Tony, oh, I'm very sorry. I'll never do that again. And Tony says, God told me that you didn't get hit hard enough. That's correct. So they continued once again. She goes through the gauntlet of getting slapped in the face uh, multiple times. And, of course, she has this ringing in her ear for the first one. And it continues on. She's calling it an out-of-body experience at this point. And she she was so upset. like she, she started crying when she mentioned this, that the beatings were normal, quote-unquote. But when it was all over said and done... Tony tells her that she is now an outcast. Right, so she is going to be sent away. She's no longer able to be with the children, which, remember, they were around the same age. They were like brothers and sisters. Yes. No one was able to talk to her, and she was sent away, and she was an outcast, like you said. Yeah, so during the, now during this alter, not altercation, but this situation with her getting uh, smacked in the face multiple times, she now is permanently lost hearing in that ear mm-hmm. because of that, because of the ringing. Yes. So basically, it, it's a ruptured, from what I can tell, it's a ruptured eardrum, and that, of course, unfortunately, is not fixable. It transitions over to Benji, who Benji is, of course, the adopted son of Tony and Susan. The word around the campfire and the group was that Benji was going to marry Rebecca. Yeah, they were the best of friends. They were the friends. best of friends, and, and they they were always together, and they always came along. Now, since Rebecca's no longer around, Benji is pretty much on an island out on his own, and he openly said that he was extremely lonely, because mm-hmm. that was basically, they were partners in crime. Now, this continued further as far as people asking or being told to leave or being punished, Sue Baisley, Sue B, mm-hmm. comes into play automatically after Benji speaks, saying that her son was accused of throwing a grapefruit outside uh, the bus window. Yes, and it unfortunately, whatever, the, the grapefruit hit a car windshield and broke it. Yes, it broke it. Of course, the son says it wasn't me. The parents obviously believe the son because they say they know their son. And of course, I would say that no one would say, oh, I did it. Of course not, because Because they they don't want to get get beaten. Oh, yeah, beaten. Tony gets on the phone, obviously, and says that, okay, he can stay, but he has to get 40 swats. Now, credit to Sue B on this. She says, we're done. We're out. So 
what was it? She showed up, was it 19 years old? and She left when she was 38. 38, so. And all of her friends, she left with nothing but the clothes on her back. Which, now, I put myself in that situation. I wouldn't just leave with the clothes on my back. I would take everything that I needed for a household. But they who, earned it. Who knows? Who knows how it was back, you know. That's we, true. We can speculate all we want because obviously... According to the previous episode of how they ran things at Georgia Ridge, there's guards everywhere. That so. is true. And they might have just said, okay, goodbye. They could have left them on the side of the road. They could have. Yeah, it's, oh, it's a, man, that's Think terrible. about that, yeah. So for fast forward to now, we still have a civil case. We still have a civil case. Tony's supposed to show up for the civil case because you have to defend yourself, right? This but is, he was a no-show. He was a no-show. So guess what that means? You automatically win. The court's... Give the Carey's family, the Millers, $1.8 million. $1.8 million. Now, after this, it's time to get your $1.8 million, right? So they have orders from the court. They go with their attorney, the Miller brothers and their attorney. And they had a bunch of sheriffs with them in that county because they had 300 people at Georgia Ridge. That's correct. And they didn't know how it was going to go. So they had all these people coming to seize property in order to retrieve... The $1.8 million. Yes. Mm-hmm. During this time, Tony Alamo has put the fear of God as far as anyone in uniform. If anyone in uniform shows up, you're going to get shot. You're going to get killed. There's that constant paranoia you know, stewing around the members' brains. Obviously, who's coming up? The sheriffs and the marshals. I guess there was an incident in front of Benji's house where the marshals show up. A gun was either shown or drawn, pointed to. There was a gun shown. There was a gun there. And that sparks. They start questioning Benji. Basically, probably, where is Tony Alamo? Or I, We don't know. Benji just says there was a lot of questions. And the next thing you know, everybody's just literally sprinting, running off the property property because Tony had alerted them, get out, get out of there, leave everything and run. Yeah. Find relatives to find another place to stay and just get off the property. Yeah. And Carrie was there obviously with, with his attorney to make sure that they got their property or whatever that they needed to, to get. But he went through the houses and saw that there was oatmeal still cooking. Yeah, the stoves were still on. Food was still being made. Like, they just, they just basically dropped and everything ran, ditched everything and, and ran. ran. And he was also mentioning that people were actually launching themselves off the ridge. Yeah, launching them off the ridge to get away. That's how fearful they were. They thought they were going to die. Wow. Right? That happens during this time. There are certain things that, that you can't have in a civil. You're not allowed to touch in the civil case. Obviously, Susan's body and her mausoleum. Yeah, that wasn't in part it's of not the part seizure of anything. at all. It's not part of the seizure at all. Well, of course, when they get on there, guess what? Susan's body's missing. And it shows the footage of the mausoleum where it was cracked open. The uh, the nameplate was uh, cracked open. Of course, it's still you can still see the name of it. And, of course, the body's missing. According So, basically, what happened was... Tony stole Susan's body, and according to Carrie, that Tony needed Susan's body to keep the control of the church. Not just with him, but using Susan as, 
don't know if you want to call it a barter chip. I don't know how he put it exactly. I forgot, but he was mentioning that his power came through her, and yes. as long as he had her, yes, then he had the power. That is that, correct. In his mind, I don't know about the followers if they actually made that connection, but now we're talking about a man who's getting more and more insane. Yes, as the days go by. Yes, and the, and the, while this was happening or discussing it, there's the, that tape again, cassettes. They saved it all. And there was him saying that he, Tony is saying on the recording that he chose to uh, split the church and into factions, into factions all, all, around over the, the all around the country. country. Basically, that's him buying time, for the most part, to kind of lick their wounds, as they say. And one of the characters on on the TV show, not the characters, but the one of the, the followers on the TV show was saying that the leadership as a whole, the, the circle or... Um, the leadership team of the church, they're trying to figure out how they would start from scratch all over again. Well, I think we need to talk about one more important thing. Mm. Well, Susie's daughter, Chris. Oh, Christian. Mm -hmm. She went and, well, she found out that her mother's body had been taken by Tony. Yes. She had not been with the group for two decades. She heard about the raid at this point, she had not even been involved with any of it. And, you know, her kids were growing up. They were in high school. Everything was fine. But she was very concerned about her mother's body. Of course. So she went on to the media blitz and was asking Tony, hey, bring back my mother's body. Yeah, if you really loved her, if you, if you really loved my mother, you would let us you know, bury her and, you know, yes. type of thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he took the body, the casket, out of the mausoleum, asked a couple of construction workers, and they took it away in a van. Uh-huh. Okay? She said that he drugged my mother around like she was a piece of garbage. And that's when she went after him. She had, the only one she could do is have a lawsuit for him to return her mother's body. Right. During this time, they were talking about the seizure of the property. Now, a couple things we need to to talk about. One, the settlement money. Now, the IRS came in. Obviously, the federal government, they need to get theirs first before... Yes, before the Millers got anything. Before the Millers got anything. They seized everything. You see, they show that they're auctioning off the jackets. They're auctioning off everything on the property. I think they had antiques. They had, you know, remember before we talked about the gold bars and the, the, they had a lot of valuable property. They did have a lot of valuable property. Well, when it was finished and, you know, the IRS got theirs, the Millers were only given like Mm $7,000. So, and you brought up an interesting point is that, well, the workers never even got their money. No, they did not. But the government got theirs, mm-hmm. which made which was an interesting point, which I didn't even didn't even dawn on me that yeah, you are correct. Plus the fact, if you think about it, they left with nothing but the clothes on their backs. Literally, they had to go to different states and yep. find places to you hide. know hide with relatives. They had no jobs, Mm-mm. no money, no Mm-mm. savings. They had nothing. So now they're a burden to everybody. I don't know if they went and got jobs. I don't know all of that. There was 300 people, which included kids. That's an amazing thing, in my mind, that they had no money. It was all communal living. And now the community's done. Now what? Yeah. 
No, I kind of feel that they could have stayed there for a while and figured it out. But once again, we don't know what's going on because there's there's always the the word brainwashing was thrown around a lot. That in this is true. Episode. It was thrown out way too much for me because I'm like, okay, you're brainwashing me with the word brainwashing. I get it. You know what's kind of funny in contrast is when we talked about the Rashnishis in uh-huh. Oregon. Yeah. They were all on that property till the bitter end. Right. <laughs> they never ran off like like these guys did. No, true, true. Good point. Good point. Well, now Tony's enraged because his his all of his belongings are gone. Yeah, his empire's shrinking. It's shrinking. It's money it's is skidding, vanished. vanishing. It's, yeah, and he decides to get a little brave for his own britches, as they say. He calls a reporter that he's been speaking to. And he decides to say this. He started you know, to rage yeah. against the federal judge that was, you know, ordering the seizures. Right, that is correct. He told Jack Mosley, he was the editor of the Southwest Record, and this, this newspaper was in Arkansas and had been reporting on him all along, Right. that he was going to try Judge Arnold, a federal judge, in quote-unquote God's court, he, Tony, would be the judge. Right. The judge would get a fair trial uh-huh. and be found guilty. How's that a fair trial? If you're and he guilty. would then be taken out and hanged by the neck until dead. Now that is called threatening a federal judge. Yes, and the editor ran the article, newspaper headline, was judge, headline was threatened, judge, judge threatened. Judge threatened, yeah. The FBI decided they needed to talk to uh, Mr. Mosley. Yeah, the next day they knocked on his door. Yeah, they did. And the attorney for the Millers said, My God, how stupid can you be? Yeah. This is a United States district judge sitting in the Western District of Arkansas. That was stupid. Yep. But, you know, Tony always felt he was above the law. He was the prophet of God and he could do what he wanted. Right. So now... The hunt is on not only just for Tony now, now it's for Susan's body now. Right, and he made the FBI's most wanted list. He did. For threatening to kidnap a federal judge, interstate flight, and child abuse. Yes. Tony still continued to obviously send the tapes, make phone calls, contact the press, contact the media. Now, the cult interiorly, where they were told that they were being persecuted. Tony was being persecuted, and they wanted to put him in prison for righteousness' sake. They did not. They were not aware of these lawsuits. They were not aware of the charges. Maybe they just refused to believe it. They didn't listen to the news. I'm well, not sure. I think they sure. probably were even allowed to. Well, they didn't want anything negative to come into their mind. I don't know, but you know, one thing the one of the marshals in the case said. You can run from the United States Marshals, but you cannot hide. That's correct, yeah. And uh, also, this is uh, where one of the, the head of the Marshals, he, what was his name? Oh, shoot, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to escape me. But one of the Marshals, he looks like mean Gene Okerlund. <laughs> He'll come to me in a second. You know, he, he was the, one of the, the leads in this. And obviously, during that Georgia Ridge, Georgia Ridge raid, they found a bunch of documentation. Oh. They found a ton of documentation. Uh, we're talking, you want to talk about detailed notes, detailed files. This is similar to the Rajneesh 
where they had files on everybody. They had birth certificates of the kids, pictures, photos of every member who either was or is a member. Now, not only did they have the personal information, they also had addresses on where these people lived. License plate numbers. And license plate numbers of the vehicles that they owned. So, here we go. (laughs) You know, that's dumb to have, but okay, whatever. Well, let me say, they probably got all that information to use it against the members in case they wanted to leave. It was their own little list to persecute members. Good point. Good point. Good point. Yeah, well, this one just bit him in the Mm you-know-where. They're trying to find Tony. Now, they've noticed that through all the self, the, all the cell phone records, and yes, cell phones were here back in the day too. I know I forgot about that because I was talking to you. I go, they didn't have cell phones back then, and you, you said no. Uh, uh, my husband had a cell phone, only it was a big box thing. It was you a said? big old brick, yeah. Still got it. I know exactly where it is. Oh, that's hilarious. I know exactly where it is. Well, they didn't have voicemail and anything, no, so didn't. you just you had just to ring it. it. And if they answered, they answered, or they would call And out. you still got charged, even if you dialed oh, out. Oh, it was or... a million, so expensive. Well, it was like eight days. bucks a minute. Oh, well, I, well, it was a lot. I know that. It was eight dollars a minute. Oh, eight dollars. You said eighty dollars. No, eight bucks a minute. Really? It was eight dollars a minute. Okay. Well, anyway, go ahead. Okay. So, <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so they noticed that there was one specific number that kept popping up every day, twice a day. Same number, same location. Because it wasn't moving. That's the thing. It was staying just in one, one spot. They found out that it was in the city of Tampa, Florida. Now, in Tampa at this time, they only had three cell phone towers. Now you got three cell phone towers in the neighborhood, but... I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Not AT&T. Right. But they had three only three cell phone towers. Now, where if you're familiar with Tampa, it's kind of shaped like a horseshoe with the bay. The bay in the middle. Tampa covers pretty much the entire bay from... Top to bottom, and you can't say, well, it can't be bottom because that goes out to the Atlantic or the Gulf. But Tampa is shaped pretty much like a horseshoe as far as the city goes. Now, each tower was put on the east side of Tampa, west side of Tampa, and then the central Tampa, hence creating a what? Triangle. So they began this thing called the Tampa Triangle. Ooh, creative. I love it. So what happened was that what the the, the federal government did is they took the area within that triangle, only inside that triangle, not exterior, but interior. And they were going, this is old school police work. Very old school. Going down every neighborhood that was in the triangle. They took down every address, every license plate number, all of it. And they just basically, slowly but surely, kind of started, you know, chopping wood. Working their way down to, every time that signal was called, they, they would get closer and closer to it. Now, apparently there was a tape that Tony would send out on a daily basis that was sent out through the airwaves in Florida as well. Yeah, it was in um, Largo. Yeah, Florida. Largo. So that's, of course, he's saying a few things, mocking the uh, federal government in regards because they couldn't find him, mm-hmm. which, of course, gave more kindling to the fire to the officers to find him. So yes. within a few weeks... They noticed that there's a van. They found a van. And they ran the license plate number. They ran well, the license plate I thought it was they had an address that hooked into some kind of a cell phone number or something. 
They went to that location. Yes, you're correct. I'm sorry. They saw the they, van. They saw the van. That's right. The then plate. they ran the plate, and then they realized with that whole list of addresses and the whole list of license plate numbers, they found that, uh-oh, this van is a member. So they st- stuck the place out, or staked, stuck, whatever. They, they, they basically watched the house, and, of course, the paper boy comes by, flings the newspaper out. This is early in the morning, It's early in right? the morning. And, of course, a gentleman walks out to go pick up the paper. One of the marshals goes, oh, my gosh, there he is. Visual ID of Mr. Tony Alamo. Of course, they get all their gear together. They surround the house. They knock on the door. No one's answering. So they help themselves inside. They go through the house. And there's Tony Alamo literally sitting on the kitchen table eating breakfast with a stack of cash. He thought he was Miami Vice. Right? <laughs> That's so funny. When they're arresting Tony, he says, you know, how did you find me? The officer replied, divine intervention. Yeah, one of the guys says, hey, it was divine intervention. The Lord led us here and we found you and now our work is done. And we discussed, why would he ask that question? How, how did you find me? Well, I'm thinking he wanted to know if he was betrayed right? so that he could get retaliation. Of course. Get yourself a little bit of the Board of Education. They pull him out of the out of the uh, the house, and boy, he looked. Ugh. Creepy. Tie-dye shirt, heavily bloated. It was like, whoa, you've put on some pounds on the, on the road, sir. He just looked terrible. So, of course, they take him to Arkansas. Or he is to stand trial for what were the charges on Arkansas? What was that one again? It was uh, child abuse, yeah, civil contempt, and tax evasion. Okay, they're going to trial, and, and there's the video visuals of Carrie coming to the court, and he was saying, and this is this is eerie that he said this. He said that well, you know, we don't know what juries you're going to get, and he was very. Hopeful, but there's still led some doubt, some reasonable doubt with 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 the trial. What happens? He's he's Tony Alamo is cleared of all charges. The he's jury found, found guilty. him not guilty. Not guilty. And what what was their reasons for being? They did not want to impede with his right to freedom of religion and his First Amendment rights. Now I I did forget one of the charges. And that was threatening the life of a federal judge. And I'm thinking, well, possibly when they did not want to impede his First Amendment rights, they felt that the threatening that life of that judge, that was just your First Amendment right. Free speech. Well, because remember when he said in God's court, that probably pretty much said, well, you know, he is a preacher. Yeah, I mean, they could have, we don't know what their minds were but you know it could have been jury nullification do you know that that, what that is yes i do they already come in with a preconceived idea and they're going to get the person off no matter what that happened in the oj trial and understand this as well this is where the bible belt yep so exactly there you go Mm -hmm. but tony leaves the courthouse saying oh thank god for giving me the two greatest lawyers ever Well, guess what, Tony? You're not out of the woods yet, buddy. But he felt he was the Teflon pastor. That's right. He He mentioned that to Carrie before. Yes, he did. And now Tony forgets that he has another warrant he has to deal with in California. And, of course, he's out on bond for $200,000, which, quite frankly, he's been on the run for two Two years. years. 
and yet you still let him go out on bond for It just kind of makes me think there was some kind of corruption payoff. I'm not sure what the, what the deal was Where did the $200,000 come from? There's a lot of questions. I mean, he wasn't allowed to leave the state of Arkansas, so there was a some kind of uh, a network in Arkansas to protect him. And you know what? Susie was correct by going back to Arkansas because that did protect them. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. To a, to a degree. Oh, of course, of course. Now, during this time, he's using his time wisely while he's not you know, incarcerated or being held in jail. Not uh, He's out on bond. He starts a new church. He starts getting the band back together again. I know. And where is that, Carl? Fort Smith, Arkansas. 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 Now, during this time, he he gets the church together and he decides to have a foot washing ceremony. Now, during the show, it actually shows the recording of the foot washing ceremony, which super creepy. Well, let's mention too that he got the church back together by having them buy a building. He was living in the building, you know, and had the office there. But remember Sue B? Yes, the one who left because his son, she didn't want his son to get 40, 40 lashes. Well, she decided that she missed Tony. Well, they all missed Tony. Right. And all the friends they had for 20 years. And she said, you're always hoping you can go back. So she went to visit the church in Fort Smith. And they show her testifying and it might have been at that foot, foot washing, washing. and that she was just thankful that that God's that Tony's mercy allowed her to come back. Yeah, and you know what's funny? I was just going to think you know just literally off the top of my head just now. Do you think your son got the 40 lashings? No. He had to kind of change his tactics, then you think? Well, okay, so she left years. I mean, it's been it was 2 years couple of years well we Maybe. don't know exactly yeah, we don't when know, she actually, left no, because he was on the run when they left yes she did not run off the at the ridge yeah, she did not the phone. Mm-hmm. Mm, good question well, what i'm saying is tony had mercy and yeah. allowed her to come back even though her child did not receive the 40s 40 swats yeah yeah because they did show it they, and of course it was current affair <laughs> current affair doing it again and, of course, he was talking about how, you know, at this point I kind of tuned out as far as what he was saying because I was so agitated. But then, of course, he's talking about... Oh, the foot washing. The, we'll go back foot to the foot washing yeah. and how he said... They said, what was the foot washing? The foot washing was that the person... Anyone you offended. Yeah, anyone you offended, you'd wash their feet. Now, Tony offended everyone, so he was going to wash everyone's, everyone's feet. feet. I want to wash them piggies. Yeah, he kind of made a little bit of a joke. A joke that just turned so, like, ugh, made me feel so creepy because the way he did it. But to them, it was funny. To them, it was funny. And then he also said he he wanted to prove. Oh, I'll say it. Was it the, what was it again? He wanted to prove the world. He said he would wash everyone's feet and prove to the world that the Lord wasn't lying about him. Right. Now, why would, first, God doesn't lie. Yeah. That made no sense. Maybe he misspoke, but... He thinks... Oh, no, he thinks he's a prophet of yes. God. So, I may watch them piggies. I want to watch them piggies. It was very... Ugh. And then, oh, no, because he said that... What was it that, that... That to prove that I'm back and you're back too? What was that one? 
don't know, the way he said it, it was just very disturbing because he was back. Yeah. He said, people think that I wasn't going to, you know, make it, that I was going to be, you know, locked up forever, but I'm out, I'm back, and so are you. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm out and I'm back and so are you. When this comes out, obviously he's a public figure. Curiosity sets in and this is how he gets new people. Yeah, he's getting new followers. He's getting new followers. Now he's using Revelation to justify on what's going on with him and the church. Yes, it's called End Times. Yes, and now there's a new person who decides to join our play here. Her name is... Lisa Pierce. Lisa Pierce. Now, uh, you know some information about Lisa Yeah, in 1992, she was studying abnormal psychology. And she went on a quest for truth, ran into some Alamo followers. They invited her to come to the service, and she went. And she saw that Tony had an ankle bracelet on. Yeah. Now, wouldn't you think that's sort of a red flag? I would. Well, they said that he was falsely accused. Persecution happens to those who are living godly lives. Yeah. The government's enemy, and she believed it, though she thought, wow, that's terrible. Now, this person, she's studying abnormal psychology, and she's going right into it. She's falling right for it, yeah. That's how he's getting new followers, is using Revelation, the end times, to get new people to obviously attend. Now the church starts growing, then he starts to creep in little by little this polygamy message. Now, during this play, or this the show, they actually start playing the tape of him talking about it, saying... Yes, it says, does the law state that it's all right to have two wives? Is that evil? And they're going, no. No. Or they saying, is it all right to have two wives? Yes. Yes. Is that evil? No. Why? Because God is the sum of moral excellency and there's no darkness in him? None. Amen? That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Just sounds like it's biblical. Well, he starts using the Bible in the... Old Testament about King David having a bunch of wives, having Saul having a bunch of wives, but oh yeah, and I have been told in the past, hey, all great men of God in in the Bible had multiple wives wow. and concubines, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is nothing new. No, no. Current affairs still on site doing interviews, talking about, you know, the church in Fort Smith. Benji decides to, well, Benji comes on the screen, and of course, this way he talks about how he leaves the church. Yeah, he was responsible for the office at night. Now, he was 16 years old, the house, the office, the church, it was all one building. Yes. Okay? And he was there, and he started looking through some records. Yes. Well, he finds his birth certificate. And attached to his birth certificate was an article, a newspaper article, and a picture of his mother. Yes. Now, he was told that his mother was an adulteress and that she left the group and that she died and was in hell. Yes. But he found out that she wasn't was alive. dead. Yeah, he found out that she was alive and that's all he needed. He said, that's all I needed. Uh, he said that he beat my friends, he lied about my mom, and then I was done. So he grabbed his birth certificate, $120, and a picture of his mom in a small, tiny little bag, and he 
left. Now, we do know another bit of information from the YouTube documentary. Yeah, we talked about episode one, yes. That was when he got to the airport, he was ready to go. He had contacted his mother. He probably had some his mom sent him. His mom sent him some money for a ticket to, to bring him, yeah. Because mom, and I think it was in California. They, Tony sent people to go get him and said, hey, it's okay. You can marry anybody you want. You can come back. Trying to make it so he could come back. It was on the tarmac. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And those are the olden days where they could get to the tarmac. Now it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, of course. But he just told them, no, you've lied to me. And that, we're done. He lied about me. He lied about my dad. He lied about everything. And we're done. Yeah. And then, of course, he takes a flight and he, and he is gone. Once the exit of Benji, there's a decision that has to be made with the Miller family. The lawyers are just talking about you know, going further with pressing charges for the child abuse. Well, the lawyer, he mentions to Carrie saying, look, here's the situation. If we go after Tony for the child abuse, he's maximum he's going to get six months. But if we let the IRS go after him, he could get a larger time. And, of course, at this time, Carrie's openly saying, I don't care about the money. I just care about disbanding the whole thing. Yeah, he wanted to have the people freed and the children out from under all that. Yeah, so he the, his whole goal at this point is just to get rid of the whole the whole cult. So then it fast forwards to Sue B, Sue Baisley. She comes back on because I guess Tony, got, of course, got the group back together there over oh, at this place they were, called Memphis or something. They had the trial coming up. For the tax evasion in yes. Memphis, Tennessee. In Memphis, yes. So he was there. He was still out on bond. Yes. He had invited some of the followers to come and eat dinner at yes. a certain time before the trial. Sue B was invited, and she was happy to see that there were some young ladies there that she used to teach in the school he years before. He taught in the before. school, and then babysat him as well. Yes. So they're very young. Mm-hmm. And at the time, she saw him again. She hadn't seen him for a few years. She was excited. They all waved at her. And they were about 15 years old at the time. And Tony starts talking to them and says, come here, my wives. Come here, my wives. And he of puts course, his arms around them, starts kissing, kissing them. them. Yeah. And Sue B had no idea yeah, and that Tony was marrying the young girls. Yeah, and she said that her thing at the end was that she was terrified. Now, fast forward a few days later, June 8th, 1994, Tony is convicted on the charges and is sentenced to six years in the federal penitentiary. Now, in the show, they do it in just black screen, white text. Yeah, but that was not the end of his no, ministry. No, no, no. Yeah, they said that's, that was the last quote. And then, 2012 pops up, and there's a gentleman there, which I'm assuming that's Tony. Who's oh, in. yeah, he didn't look good at all. No, he didn't. There's Tony in his uh, prison wear. He's got really gray hair and really gray beard. Of course, this is 2012. 2012. So, so that was 20 years. 20 years, yeah. It's a little under 20 years. And there's a question that a questioner asked him, let's say you elected to take an 8- or a 9-year-old girl as a wife. How would you determine if a young female has reached puberty? And, of course, he, without any hesitation, any hesitation, said, well... They know at my church, they'd come say, hey, I just reached puberty. Can we get married? And then he looks, looks like it was either, he looks at the camera or it looks like it was a hidden camera. Because it looks like there was like, it looks like it threw a peephole. So you have some, you know, dark around, around the edges. 
and then it pauses and he's staring right at the camera like he knew he was being recorded and it fades and we're done episode 3 is now complete yeah we have one more episode oh man I can't imagine we did not look ahead no we did not I I, I did it, did myself a point not to do that and practice discipline because now I'm just chawing at the bit where I really want to I think it's going to get worse. You'd think? Yeah, especially with these young women that are now his wives. Yeah. And, of course, they fast-forwarded to 2012, and he's talking about eight- and nine-year-olds. Yes. Well, oof. Ugh. Yeah, this was a very dirty episode, and it looks like it's going to get even worse. But it ends, thank goodness. Alrighty. Well, on that note... Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate you all hanging in there. I know we're talking about stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable. Imagine how it makes us feel talking about it. But uh, anyway, on that note, good night, Holly. Good night, Carl. <laughs>